Good evening, everyone. By the way, in case somebody hasn't said it to you today, He is risen. Now the response there, when I say when I say He is risen, the proper response is He is risen indeed. Okay, let's try that one time. He is risen. All right, I may test you on that later. Remember that. Okay. Today is the day we remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Last time around, we've been going through a three-parter here, talking about this moment, the greatest moment in all of history, that moment when Jesus Christ took my sin, my shame, my punishment. On that cross, He suffered, bled, and died. And then, this day. This day. Sunday. The Lord's Day, the day the church has continuously been remembering the one event when the tomb was empty, the stone was rolled away. So if you've been out there in churches today, and I know many of you have, you may have heard this, but if you've been around me long enough, you probably haven't heard it quite this way, right? You all know how I am, okay? So it's going to be maybe somewhat different than maybe you've already heard it today. We want to focus in on the empty tomb today. What is the significance of that stone being rolled away? One of the things that I'll tell you right up front, the stone was not rolled away so that he could be let out. The stone was rolled away so the witnesses could see in. So today, that's where we want to focus our attention. We want to look inside the empty tomb. We want to think about that moment, what it meant to the disciples. Why were they so confused? Why did they quite, you know, not quite get this thing? Want to look back at some of the things Jesus said. Want to look back, all the way back, some of the things that were said in the prophets about this moment. All of that point, pointing toward the empty tomb. But, and, and you know, I'm, I'm just like, you know, I'm just, I'm ready to get into this. I'm ready. Excited. This is a great time. Fired up. I tucked in my shirt. You know that it's a big deal. All right? You know it is, right? Wore my name tag. All right? You didn't notice that, did you? All right, okay, all right. But before we get started, before we do that, before we jump into the Word of God, which we will, we've got to start this thing like we do every week. We've got to start it the right way. God is good. All the time. All the time. God is good. Let's take it to Him in prayer. Father, we are just thanking You for tonight. Thanking You for the empty tomb. Thanking You for the Savior who conquered sin and death. What does that mean to us today? Maybe for some in this room, it's just... That story that we tell every year, but for others, sort of like the cross, it's the power of God into salvation, like Paul says. And I believe that that's true of the empty tomb as well. So today, Lord, just help us to maybe see this with fresh eyes, fresh understanding. Help us to see this maybe in a way we never thought of before. Help us to look as if we were there into the empty tomb, but recognize that's not the end of the story. The grave is not the end of the story for Jesus. And apparently it's not the end of the story for us. So help us to understand the reality of what you want to say in our lives today. And maybe help us to see things brand new. We're just thanking you, praising you in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, we must go to the story. We're going to jump into the Gospel of John. The empty tomb. Chapter 20 in the Gospel of John. We'll start in verse 1. And I just want to focus in on this moment. As you are turning there, we've got to remind ourselves, Jesus said three days and three nights He was going to be in there. Now, 
I'm not going to get into that big debate today, right? Good Friday was a three-day. Don't, don't worry about that. What you must understand is everyone hearing the story is going three days, three days, three days. Now, if you are sensitive to the Old Testament, both the Old and the New Testament together, more than 60 times talks about three days. There's all kinds of different three days that point to something, always been pointing to something. For example, I wrote just a few of them down. There is the story in the book of Genesis. That guy, his name was Joseph, and his father gave him a coat of many colors. If we remember the story, sold into slavery by his brothers, ends up, because of circumstances, going to jail, ends up in there, and then there's two guys that have dreams. And both of the dreams, if you don't remember the story, surround three days. Three days later, there's going to be a question of life or death. Three days, for example, Moses, three days after that incredible moment, the Red Sea, three days later, they are out in the middle of the desert. We have no water. Hundreds of thousands of people. Once again, a matter of life and death. And in three days, God answers in a way that they never expected. Three days, over and over, the Scripture talks about it. There are, you know, a famine that lasted three days. There's this event, that event, the other event. Most of it has to do with life and death. Almost every one of the three-day stories that we hear have something to do with that. But, here, Jesus, they saw Him die on a cross. Some of the women were there. John was there. Day one, man, I can't believe he's gone. Man, that was the most horrifying death ever. Day number two, what are we going to do now? What's going to happen? Day three, that's where we're going to pick up the story today when they go to the tomb. And I want to show you first, they had resigned themselves in this moment. It's over. We're just going to go about our lives like they once were. That, that time period we spent with Jesus was awesome, but... I guess we just got to go back to things as usual. Except, God has another plan. Keep reading. We are in John chapter 20, verse 1. Give me an amen if you're there. That sound like most of you. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put Him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen, lying there, but, not, but he did not go in. Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back where they were staying. Pause there for a minute. Like I said, day one, the cross. We talked about that a week ago. Horrifying death. Imagine someone we know, someone that we are close to, going through something horrifying like that. It's horrible. 
horrible, shameful, vile, painful death. And then they put him into this rock-cut tomb. And so you have a sense of what that's like. A rock-cut tomb is just like you think. There's a stone, and they carve out like a cave sort of thing inside of it. It was big enough that at least two guys could get inside of it. And then inside, they would have carved inside like a place to lay a body. So what we are expecting that day, the women go there, we're told in the other uh, Gospels, that they're going in to anoint the body. Now this is what they're expecting to see. They're expecting to go first. They question one another about how they're going to get in. Well, somebody sealed the tomb. How are we supposed to get in? I don't know. We'll figure it out when we get there, right? So they're going to go there and anoint the body. What we're saying is, they're going business as usual. Jesus is dead. Business as usual. We're going to do this thing that we would do in anybody else's death. They're going to anoint the body. That was their tradition. That's the way they did things. Okay, So that's what they're expecting. They're expecting a body that would have been wrapped up in these cloths, sort of like a mummy you would imagine. They would put one over the head again, and then there's some anointing that takes place and things and prayers are offered and all of that kind of stuff. So they're going in there to expect to see something and they are surprised that the stone has been rolled away and there is nothing inside that tomb. Wow, what must have happened? Wait a minute, hold on. Now remember, it even says it in John's Gospel. They didn't get it. They don't get the fact, let me remind you of one thing Jesus said. Just a few days before, Jesus had gone to Lazarus. And if you remember that story, Lazarus died, Jesus hesitates, then He goes and gets him out of the tomb. And there's a little phrase that Jesus says. As He's going there, Martha, the sister of Lazarus, oh, Jesus, if you'd only been here. He wouldn't be dead now. And Jesus makes a statement. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in Me will live even though He dies. But they're not remembering that. That applied to Lazarus. Okay, we get that. He came out of the tomb. We're certainly not applying it to Jesus. Now, how many other people did we see up to this moment? There's several people that Jesus brought back to life. But for whatever reason, we're not quite understanding this one. Jesus is dead and we expect to see His body. Now, of course, logically in their minds, they're going, well, somebody obviously took the body. That must have been what happened. Somebody stole Him away. Now, I would challenge us that that would be really, really hard to do if surrounding that tomb were Roman guards. Roman battle-hardened soldiers with swords and spears ready to kill someone who messes with that tomb. So it would have been a little difficult, but that's probably first thing in their minds. Not quite getting this yet. So they look inside, and I love the story here, right? They go inside, and they look first. It says, and if you don't know, it's John, the disciple whom Jesus loves, if you don't have that sensitivity. Peter and John run there. What, what are you talking about? What's going on? I don't think at that moment they're going, I'll bet He is risen. I, I bet that's not what they're thinking. They're going to the tomb. Ow! What happened now? We've been through so much and now this? They come to the tomb and, and John kind of hangs back and looks inside. I don't see anything. And I love it. He beats you know, Peter there and Peter just blows past him. I've got to see this for myself. Remember what Peter has been through in the days prior to this. 
Jesus says, you will deny me. Not me. Even if these other guys deny Him, I will not. And then before the rooster crows, Jesus told them, before the rooster crows, you are going to deny me three times. And then, can you imagine that moment? Jesus out there. He's hanging with the group a little bit, but He's outside in the courtyard of the, of the high priest's house. And, and that girl comes up to Him and says, Hey, 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 you were one of them. I was not. Denial. Three times. they asked, No, 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 it wasn't me. So now, with this heaviness in our heart, we now hear about this. It's not bad enough what I did. I told him I was going to, I would not deny him. I told him I would stand with him. I tried. You know, we're in that garden and I got that sword and I hacked the guy's ear off. I was doing okay. But then they started to accuse me. And now they've taken him? They've stolen the body? Come on. What's happened now? She's not getting this thing. We're not understanding it. The two of them standing in there together, I can see them just standing in that empty place going, scratching their heads. What, what's going on? Even though, and notice that little parentheses, they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. They did not understand. What, 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 what do you mean? Jesus had to rise from the dead. See, Paul says... If it was not for the empty tomb, we've got a problem. If we just simply have Jesus on the cross, something is incomplete. Because the Scripture said there has got to be an empty tomb. Where does that happen? It happens in Isaiah. If you all remember last time, we read a little bit of Isaiah 53. By His stripes we're healed. It says in Isaiah 53, I'll just read verse 11, After he had suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Get that little phrase. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life. In other words, he's going to suffer, and and the way Isaiah says it, to the point of death, and he's going to come back to life. It's very subtle. There's also a couple of little passages in the Psalms and in other places where it talks about this servant who will die and live again. As if three days was not enough of a clue for us, we still need this moment. But they're not getting it yet. Now, before we move on, because I want to read more of the story, but before we move on, we've got to ask ourselves that question too. For some of us in this room, the empty tomb represents a story that maybe we've heard all of our lives. Some of us in this room, you know this, you grew up with Easter, right? I did. I grew up with Easter. I know the empty tomb, Jesus on the cross, and bunnies and Easter baskets and chocolate. Right? I don't know how all those things fit together. I don't know. But... But as a kid, you know, I knew the story, but I'm serious. For me, it was all wrapped up in... And chocolate and bunnies and and eggs and all that, right? I didn't understand the significance of the empty tomb. As a kid, like maybe so many of us in this room, maybe that's the way you grew up too. It's just part of a narrative, part of a story. Just like all of the other holidays have their little stories and, and we don't get it. It doesn't mean anything to us. The empty tomb is just an empty tomb. We don't understand how deep this thing goes. 
So number one, I would challenge you this day. Let, let's understand this for what it's being said. Old Testament, connecting New Testament. Jesus' death foretold. But it says so much more. Let's keep going. Then He appears to Mary Magdalene, and I love this little encounter. Verse 11. Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked a woman, why are you crying? They have taken away my Lord, she said, and I don't know where they put Him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Pause there. Now hear this one for a minute. Okay, she's crying. What is going on again? It's not enough that they beat Him. It's not enough that they killed Him. Now they've taken Him. That's not enough. And she's just sitting there crying. Man, can you imagine the tension in that moment? We don't get this thing. We are so confused right now. I just don't get it. And then we see an angel. Well, that's different. Like and, and by the way, if you bounce the narratives together, there's different you know angel appearances and the way it happens and who sees the angel and when they see the angel. But no matter how you slice it, there's an angel involved in this appearance, right? So that's kind of a different thing. Wait, there's an angel in there. That's that's new. In the book of Solomon, the, the book that Solomon wrote, Ecclesiastes, he said there is nothing new under the sun. And some people at this point in time, they were, yeah, that's true. Maybe we would even say that today. Let me tell you this one. Dead men coming back to life, that's something new. All right? All right, all right I know what you're thinking. You know, medical science, it happens all the time. Stop, okay? I'm talking dead, dead, okay? I'm not partially dead, zap the paddles, whatever. Okay, three days dead, that's a long time, right? Don't know anybody that that's happened to, may have happened, don't get me wrong, but I'm telling you right now, this is something new. Let's add it all together. The Savior of the world born in a stinky, smelly manger. That's new, right? Going through, a, blind men can hear, deaf men, or blind men can see, deaf men can hear, all right? Lepers cleansed, that's new, right? In first century, that's, this is new, all right? That day, he came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. They're shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna, the guy that we've been reading about all our lives is coming. Yes, that's new. The Savior of the world comes riding in on a donkey. And then he goes up to the temple. And he has the audacity to go in there and tip over the money changers, booze. That was new. And now here we go. Dying on the cross, three days later, the stone is rolled away, and there are angels. Matthew, there are earthquakes. There are, we were talking about this in our family this morning, right? That moment where guys come out of the tomb and walk around, that's new, okay? That's a different thing, right? This whole thing is something incredibly brand new. And let me give you this, the last piece here, when he talks to Mary Magdalene, speaks of something maybe that for us, should become new. Keep going. Woman, he said to her, verse 15, who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you carried him away, tell me. Where have you put him? That I'll get him. He said to him, Mary. She turned around and cried out to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. 
Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father, to your Father, to my God, your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples and said, I have seen the Lord. And she told them these things happened to her. That's new. Right? Jesus appears to someone. This is, later on, they're going to see Him. Okay, They'll get their time. But at this moment in time, He appears to this one, Mary Magdalene. And by the way, if you don't know the background to the story, a lot of pictures have been painted about Mary Magdalene and who she might have been and what her background might have been. What we can say is that Mark's Gospel talks about, talks about she had seven demons cast out of her. That's new. Okay? Now, I don't know what that looks like. I don't even want to pretend to know what that looks like to have the voice of demons inside of you. What, what is that like? Maybe some of y'all can relate. I don't know. I'm not going to ask about that, all right? But yeah, I just hope you're on your meds. Anyway, but I don't know what that looks like, but can you imagine the day when the voices are silenced? Can you imagine the day when those, that time when we're no longer tormented by this thing. That's new. And then, to find out, then we're going to just, like, then, then what happens to Mary Magdalene afterward? All we know is that, man, after that, life doesn't even matter anymore. I'm following Jesus. It doesn't even matter at that point what happens. It tells us that in another part in Luke's Gospel, he says that a part of her money, she helped to support what Jesus was doing. It's in Luke, I can show you. But he's helped, she helped support Him and all that. She was one of the ones. The men take off, and she's one of the ones that goes right up to Calvary and sees Him die right up until the end. And now this. Oh, can you imagine that moment? Now, by the way, if you, when I say Mary Magdalene, and some of y'all get all Da Vinci Cody, put that aside, please, okay? Let that go, alright? She was seven demons cast out of her, okay? Man, how much do we love Jesus? If God has done something in your life, man, shouldn't that make us just... The day that we could say, like, it is finished... Like we talked about a couple of days ago in morning devotion, right? It is fi- to tell us that, right? Exactly. It is finished. The moment that Jesus speaks that into your life, man, it's never the same again. And just like her this day, and I love the way that Jesus does this kind of stuff too, right? It seems like every time when Jesus appears, they don't get it quite at first. Oh, it's Jesus. There's a lot of speculation as to why that might be. Maybe it's a supernatural thing. Maybe it's because he was so disfigured. We don't know. But the way, however it works, she didn't get it. Thinks he's a gardener until she, he speaks the word, until he says her name. Now that's significant. If you don't know that, that's so Old Testament. Abraham. Samuel. Here am I. Who shall I say? Who will go for me? God calling. And he uses your name. Now, how does that work for you today? Maybe God has called your name. Maybe God is calling your name. And maybe we don't recognize Him until that moment. We think that we're just going through our lives. All this craziness, all this stuff is happening to us. And we don't understand that the whole series of events is 
excuse me, getting us to the moment where Jesus wants to speak life into us and suddenly your eyes are opened. There's some of you in this room that maybe haven't quite got there yet, but He's calling your name. He's calling you by name. Right? He's calling. And then that moment of clarity when she goes, Rabboni, and, and by the way, the, little, the word that is used there, Rabboni, it means, our, it means teacher, but it means our teacher. There's a, kind of a significance in the statement because you didn't normally use that term for just anybody. Only certain people got the term Rabboni, right? And then, he gives her some specific instructions here. Don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. So, in that moment, we've got to understand from what he says... At that moment, she grabs a hold of him. And again, you can imagine the emotions. Again, let's take our, our minds back to that place where she was. Seven demons cast out. I don't know what it's like, but man, a woman released like never before. And then she's just going to give her life and say, I'm just going to live for Jesus at this moment in time. But then, she sees all the things that are happening. All the way to the point where they take Him to the cross. Thank you very much. All the way to the point where they take him to the cross. And how incredibly violent that was, right? How incredibly horrifying, humiliating. And she's there. She's witnessing this. But then again, three days. That was three days ago. We are just now resigning ourselves. We're just going to get back to our old life. We're just going to do things the way we've been doing things. Maybe that sounds like some of us in this room too. Maybe we had a moment, but now it's just kind of routine for us. You know what I mean? There's some of you in this place, and maybe that is your story. You know, maybe it's been longer than three days, I don't know, but this, that kind of happens pretty quickly to us with our human minds. Before we know it, we're kind of back doing our old thing again before we even realize it. And that impact of that day doesn't quite seem to have the same moment. And sometimes Jesus has got to come back and call you by name. Sometimes Jesus has got to call you personally and say, okay, new mission, here you go. I'm giving you something different. Now, she grabs a hold of him, oh Jesus, yes, you are alive. This changes everything. Right? The death that I saw, the horrifying things that I saw, over? Sweet. Now we're going to go do something about it, right? And he gives her the mission. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. Great. Now for us, that seems like a little thing. But I want to remind you, I don't think the mission of Mary Magdalene was small in any way. Because this is actually broader than we know. Because it says, goes to the disciples and tells them the news, the good news. But, I want you to remember that word. Tell the brothers. Now, at some point in time, we know, 12 disciples, okay. But at one point, there was a lot more. At one point in time, there was at least 72 who were sent out. I want to suggest to you that Mary Magdalene didn't stop telling the story. At some point in time, she's going to talk to other people. Because Luke records some, a little bit about her story. Mark records a little something about their story. Mark is where we get the idea that she had the demons cast out of her. 
That mean, and both of those guys weren't there. So what it tells me is, when Jesus said to her, tell the brothers. Tell the brothers that I'm alive and I'm going to the Father. And I don't think she stopped telling the story. See, because that's how it works in the life of someone who is truly being called by God. Now, let's back this up for a moment. Because some of you in this room, I know I'm kind of losing you now. You go, "Eh, called by God, stop. That's for guys like you, pastors and stuff like that. No. Remember what I said before. The thing that Jesus told Martha, He said, the one who believes in Me will live even though He dies. Belief is the whole key that unlocks this thing. Some of us in this room, like I said, the empty tomb is just a bigger part of a narrative that we've heard our whole lives. Just a bigger, a little piece to the puzzle, right? But there is so much more. The stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. And like I said in the very beginning, not to let Him out. His power was so incredible, that stone isn't even an issue. We're talking angels. We're talking earthquakes. You want to tell me that that stone was a problem? No. The whole point is so that we can look in. And I don't just mean them. I mean all of us. Because there needs to come a point in every one of our lives when we understand the open concept of this. That Jesus Christ is alive. He is risen. Thank you. Some of y'all remember, right? He is alive. Because He is alive, and we sang about this earlier, Oh death, where is your sting? Oh hell, where is your victory? There's the reality of the empty tomb, people. If that tomb wasn't empty, Paul says we're still in our sin. But instead, the tomb is empty. So we could see in. So we could see that He's alive. We don't serve a Savior who is dead. We serve a Savior who is alive. Now, I don't know about you, but I'll just kind of throw that out there. I've seen evidence of it in my life. You can doubt and question this all you want to, but I'm telling you right now, I've seen the living Savior at work in my life. I've seen the living Savior at work in some lives around here. Can I get amen? Yes. We're going through this pray-out season. Just did one with Kapanga Pang. It was awesome. Amen. Chad Copening. Yeah. Copening's over there. Tim Olsimer, right? And I'm telling you, these guys, when we do this pray-out thing, for those of you that haven't got there yet, this is a moment when you're kind of coming to the end of this thing and you're praying about what God has done in your life. And I'm telling you, we're talking the same story here. A moment of clarity comes in their lives. A moment of clarity when you say, that is over. It's finished. This stuff has been lifted from me. I'm not hearing the voices anymore. And oh, by the way, it's about Jesus. That's how I know that He lives. He lives because He still works on this property. He still lives because I've seen Him at work. I see Him at work too many times in a whole lot of faces in this room. But, There's some of us in this room maybe haven't quite got there yet, and that's okay. But here's one thing that I need to let you know tonight. He lives. And because He lives, that's a song I know, but because He lives, I don't need to worry anymore about the future, 
Because He lives, I don't need to be concerned about death. Because He's taken it away. Because He lives, I know that there is an answer to my prayers. Because He lives, I know that He is going to do so much more than I could ever ask or imagine. And by the way, we're going to sing that song, right? We're going to sing Because He Lives. Okay, we'll sing that in a minute. We'll close it with it. All right. So tonight, I got, by the way, we got three baptisms tonight. All right? So we're going to do that here in just a moment. But what we need to do right now first is kind of wrap this thing up. And the best way that I know is for us to respond to what we're hearing. Is God alive? Or is this part of just some narrative that we've been hearing our whole lives? For some reason, tonight, we've been confronted with an empty tomb. And you've got to answer that question in your own mind. Maybe for some of us in this place tonight, it's for us to maybe make the statement, make the declaration to God, okay, I believe you live. Maybe there's some of us and we are still struggling with our junk. Maybe we have just, you know, okay, we've got the story, alright, it's good, that's awesome, right? But then we're just kind of going back to our own way. Maybe that's our story here today. Maybe He wants to call us by name tonight. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you're hearing from God tonight, but the time is now that we're going to respond. And we're going to respond by prayer. That's how we do this every Sunday, right? I'm going to lead us in prayer first, and I'll give us a time of silent prayer, and then I'll wrap us up in prayer, and then we'll sing a song of celebration. Amen? That's what we're going to do. But let me lead us first, and then I'll kind of give you an idea of what we need to be praying and responding to this thing. All right? Let's take it to Him in prayer. Father, we are thanking You tonight for the empty tomb, for so much that that says. And because You live, man, it changes everything. If that stone was still in place, if the body was still in the tomb, apparently we got a problem. But here, the first witness, Mary Magdalene, a woman who you did incredible work in her life, and I don't believe she stopped telling the story. Oh yeah, she told it. She ran and told. But I don't think that's the end of the story. And maybe that's the way it needs to be for us too. Maybe there's some of us in this room today And we're hearing that voice. We're hearing you call us by name. And maybe it is as simple as the call of Mary Magdalene. Go and tell. Tell what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Tell how He is alive and you know it. Maybe it's that simple today. Maybe it's to our families, to our friends, maybe somebody on this property, I don't know. But Lord, lead us. Maybe for others in this place... Maybe we need to be released from something like Mary Magdalene was. Maybe there's some of us here that are just kind of held back by something. Maybe there's some doubts, some fears. Maybe there's those voices inside our head. I don't know. But I do know that there is only one way, and that's us crying out to You. And the Savior meeting us right where we are. Changing everything in our lives. Maybe there's still some in this room today that are going back just into the same routine as if... Jesus' death is no big deal. As if the empty tomb were still full. As if the stone was still in place. Help us to leave this place tonight in a new way. Understanding what that means and thinking that I cannot go back that way again. Like Mary Magdalene could not go back to her old life. It's got to be true of us too. And it begins with those words that we read. Believe. Whoever believes... 
Even though he dies, shall live again. Maybe for some of us in this room, we need to take a hold of that. Maybe we're afraid of death. Maybe that's part of the fear that we carry with us. And you tell us, because that stone is rolled away, death is gone. Bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And today, we're just going to thank you for what you're going to say in our lives. I want to pray for what you're going to do in these next few moments, Lord. We're going to take a few moments of silent prayer. And wherever we are across this room, whatever the Lord is saying to each of us tonight, wherever we fit in this empty tomb story, maybe some of us in this place need to commit our lives to You. Take the step of faith and say, yes, I believe. Hear and heed the call. You're calling us by name. I don't know what it is, Lord, but in the silence of these next few moments, let's just go between us and You and just hand these things over to You. Father, I don't know what you're saying in this place, in the hearts of everyone that's in this room, but I do know that you're at work. No question in my mind. You tell us that wherever two or more are gathered, there you are. And I believe that you're in this room tonight. No question in my mind, there are people here responding to this. I don't know what it is for everyone, but you do. So we're just going to continue to pray for those that are here tonight, hearing the voice, hearing that stirring in our hearts, Maybe silencing the voices, the doubt, the fear, the shame, the guilt. Because you live, I don't have to face that. Because you live, all of those voices are silent. And the only one that matters is yours. Help us to continue to listen for you, to be led by you. Help us to continue in all that you're doing in this place and the lives that you're changing on purpose. We're just continuing to give you thanks and praise for what you're saying and doing. I want to thank you tonight for all that we've seen and all that we continue to see. I want to thank you for the mission and for the leadership. You just continue to open their eyes, give them your wisdom, your insight, help them to make those good decisions. Help each one of us in this place just to continue to pray for our families. We're lifting them up to you, some in this room. I'm just thanking you tonight for just joining families back together. It's what you love to do. And I want to thank you for the peace in this house tonight. The peace that passes all understanding. Let it just sweep over us tonight, this whole place, and just help us to see you at work like never before. We're going to thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen.